resurrecting us. You're resurrecting our physical bodies this morning. You're pouring your life into us this morning, and we receive it. We receive it from you. Thank you, Jesus. You are worthy of all praise. Who are we to be standing in the presence of the Almighty God? Yet you welcome us, and you take pleasure in our worship. Thank you, Jesus. Each week at Church at Briargate, we pray for a local church and we pray for a missionary that we support. Please join me as we lift up Radiant Church this morning. Heavenly Father, we lift them up to you. God, as they are joining together in worship, I just pray that you would pour out your Holy Spirit in that place. God, that they would see signs and wonders that they would feel your presence in a mighty and new way. God, that you would stir up their first love within their hearts. 
that you would be, bring unity and peace to that place. Lord, that you would provide for them the things that they need, spiritually, emotionally, financially. Lord, I pray for their leadership, that you would give them wisdom and insight, that you would give them God ideas, divine and anointed ideas of how to lead your people. And Lord, I pray that they would be a light to the community. Lord, that people would see who you are through them and come. Lord, that you would draw the seekers into that place, that they would hear your life-giving words. Lord, we thank you for them and what they're doing in this community. And Lord, we lift up our missionaries to you. God, you've called them, you've equipped them, and we thank you so much for their obedience to you. We thank you that they're stepping out in faith, believing that you will, that you have ordained their steps and you will provide for them. And we stand with them right now in the name of Jesus to ask you that you will provide for them what they need, their finances, Lord God, that you provide for them, that you provide health for their their mortal bodies, Lord God, that you will bind their marriage together in the name of Jesus, that you'll protect their family, Lord God. And Lord, that you would provide uh, divine appointments for them, God, to open up the way before them so that they can plant the seeds, so they can water the seeds, and so they can harvest in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you for Church at Briargate. Lord, I thank you that we can come, we can worship freely, we can worship you, that you are here, that you're ever faithful to us, God. I thank you for that. And Lord, we just give you the glory and the praise. We ask, God, that you will soften our hearts and open our ears to hear the word of God this morning that you would anoint the words that go forward, that they would fall on soft hearts and fertile ground, that your seeds would be planted deep inside our hearts and roots would grow. In Jesus' name, we lift you up and we thank you once again. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and greet your neighbors. Welcome to Church of Braggate. We're happy that you're here this morning. Uh, my name is Sam Blevins. If I haven't, if I haven't met you, I'm the worship pastor here. Uh, if you're new this morning, uh, we'd love to get to know you a little bit. Uh, there's a Connect card at the back of the seat in front of you. If you wouldn't mind filling one of those out uh, and either dropping it in the offering plate or um, by the office uh, as you leave today. Um, we'd love to get in contact with you this week. 
Um, there are lots of ministries uh, that we do here at Church of Bradgate, and there is a great fit for you uh, and the talents and gifts and abilities, abilities that God's given you. Uh, as our ushers come forward, let's go ahead and pray for our offering this morning. Uh, God, we thank you for this time to worship you with our singing. And God, we thank you for your uh, provision and your blessings in our life. We are, uh, we are so blessed. And uh, God, we give out of that uh, provision back to you uh, because everything that we have comes from you in the first place. God, we pray that you will uh, bless this offering, that you'll use it to further the ministries of us here at church that we uh, do each and every week. And then also, God, the missionaries that we support we thank you for that awesome uh, responsibility and privilege to be able to support them, God. We know that we can't always be uh, where they are in person, and uh, we, we thank you for uh, using us uh, to further your kingdom, God, uh, to go beyond our own personal spheres of influence. Uh, Father, we pray for Pastor Scott today as he's about to preach that you will uh, continue to bless, and bless him, embolden him. God, begin to speak to our hearts even now uh, the things that you would have us here today. Uh, God, we give this morning to you, and in your name we pray, amen. Uh, please enjoy these video announcements. Hi, I'm Carol. Welcome to Church at Burgate. If this is your first time with us, please fill out a Connect card found in the seat back in front of you and drop it off in the offering plate or in the basket outside of the church office. Here are some upcoming events. October is Pastor Appreciation Month. We want to show our pastors how much they mean to us. Now through the end of October, you can drop cards off and words of encouragement to each of the pastors in the box located by the Mission Cafe. The journey is next Sunday, October 18th, from 5 to 8 p.m. at Pastor Scott and Linda's house. The journey is four consecutive sessions where Pastor Scott discusses the beliefs of church at Barrigate. Dinner is provided, so please sign up on the app or let Pastor Scout or Linda know that you can be there. Our annual Trunk or Treat is coming up on October 24th, and we need volunteers and lots of nut-free and individually wrapped candy. You can donate candy. Please drop it in the bin located outside the church office. Contact Pastor Krista, our Briargate Kids Pastor, at kids at cabag.org with any questions. If you have any questions about any of these events, contact the church office at office at cabag.org. Thank you again for joining us today. For more information about upcoming events, our ministries, and life groups that we offer, download our church app or check out our website, churchatburgate.org. And be sure to stay connected with us on social media. Have a great week. Crikey, it's a crock! Does anybody else have a desire to go to the zoo now? Yeah, I tell you, I, I've, I, uh, I've been to both Springs Zoo and Denver Zoo. We used to live in Denver. And, and uh, the Denver Zoo is much easier, just so you know. You don't have to mountain climb the whole time you're going to the zoo. <clears throat> um, so I, uh, I, every time I wear this shirt, I get lots of comments, and uh, some of them good. And so... I, uh, my, my uh, wife asked me the day, I, I bought a shirt and I brought it home. It was hanging there when she walked in. And she said, hmm, oh, wow, okay. And that was it. <clears throat> and then about five minutes later, she stopped and she asked me, she said, I, I just want to ask you something. Why don't you be totally honest with me? I don't know why she would have to say that. But she said, when you buy shirts, do you think to yourself ever in the process, this will irritate somebody? 
And uh, I told her, I said, Linda, that, is, that hurts. That is not like me at all. That is so not like me. I, uh, some things happened this week. Um, I'm just going to pick on one of these things. Uh, there's just a bunch of stuff that, that um, it, it's like every week is a, is a circus of, of craziness when it comes to, to uh, immorality, to attack on, on human, human rights, the sanctity of life. Uh, the, the, the basic things that freedom, the basic things that we know that, um, that, that is Jesus in, in who we are as a society and a culture. And, but this one, this one got me a little bit. Um, I, I, do, I do pick on the church uh, some. I mean, if you've been around here any length of time, you know that. I pick on the church some. But here's what I'm beginning to realize more and more, and I did not know. I had said some statements, you know, five or six years, 10 years, 15 years ago, about this, but I did not realize until specifically this this calendar year that I really don't believe that the average Christian is the problem. I believe it's the church leadership that's the problem. And and I, I say that hoping that, you know, we, we're not like, yeah, let's get him. Now, that's not what I'm trying to, to do here. <laughs> um, but the reason is because the church leadership sets the stage, sets the direction. And, um, and, and, and we've been buying into so many things for so long. We, I, I don't necessarily know that we've gone into the arena of, of being involved directly in this stuff, although as of late, the last few years, we're seeing this become more and more um, uh, real and, and complicated. But, but I think the church leadership is just, they, they make it easy to not stand up against the, the stuff that Satan is trying to do to destroy people because it's easier. It's, um, it's, it's threatening. You, you're potentially, now, I don't look at it this way. I look at it the opposite. In fact, let me just say this, because what, what we have experienced around here in the last six or seven months, I, when I'm seeking God, praying this, I, I believe that we have more of a hunger going on right now in our church than I've experienced for, in years and years. And, and, and the, the desire to really know truth and hunger. And, and, this, and this hasn't been, um, I've been here eight years. This hasn't been the case here. Um, but the last, the last year or so, we're, we're starting to get there, and specifically this calendar year, there is a hunger. And some of you are sitting here just because of this. And so, so what we have to do is we have to make sure that we don't, um, that we separate ourselves from what Satan tries to do to uh, hurt us and attack us and those kind of things. Uh, this came out this week. There is a, a group of evangelicals. Some of you probably already heard about this. A group of evangelicals across the country, big, big names. Uh, the CEO of um, uh, Christianity Today uh, is one of these guys. And, and, and by the way, Christianity Today, I, I, I don't always pick on these things just because I know them, but this has been an extremely liberal and, and oftentimes anti-truth uh, morality magazine, although it's called Christianity Today. Um, I can show you 10 articles quickly that would prove that. Um, this group of evangelicals got together this week, <clears throat> and they formed a coalition. This is the name of the coalition, Pro-Life Evangelicals for Biden. In their statement, look it up, look it up. Their statement said, this is the part we... We were at men's breakfast yesterday, and we were talking about this. I think Mark is the one that said, even their tagline completely disagrees with itself. 
So I came up with a statement to try to help us process this. I think there's a similar statement that's going to be about as divisive as I can be. Um, but here, here's the reason. Because I think when we hear things like pro-life, abortion, pro-choice, all that kind of stuff, I think even the church has been um, tricked into, and, and there has to be some, some complicity. I don't believe in a total tricked into mentality for the most part with most people under most circumstances. I believe there's a complicity. In fact, I'm going to get to that later uh, this morning. But, but this, we, have, we have allowed terms to be used and changed and, and debated back and forth and all kinds of stuff to where uh, something like abortion is, is not seen as a negative thing. Or maybe it's a sideline thing or it's not that big of a deal. Guys, we have to know this is murdering innocent babies created in the image of God. This is, this is murder. It's not a fetus. It's a human. A woman doesn't have a right to choice of another human. That's, that, well, it's in my body. It doesn't matter. It's another person. It's not your life to choose. It's another life. And, and I believe, I, I, I already believe, I said this probably three months ago, I believe that, that God is beginning to allow us to be judged by our own actions. And even he is doing the judging. Now, I don't think he has completely thrown open the doors and judged us. Um, I, think, I, think he is, I think it is in the process of beginning. Um, we're starting to see God's hand of judgment across our, our country. And the main reason is because we cannot keep doing this. God is not okay with this. This is abhorrent to him. This is evil. This is satanic. And he's not okay with it. And he's not okay with the people that are part of it. And I'm talking about hospitals or doctors or politicians or anybody. He's done. And I believe he's judging us. And I believe it's going to get worse and worse unless we repent and change it. And, and, and we have to do it as a country. We have to stop doing this. So I came up with this statement to help us understand the goofiness of a group of people that would say that they are pro-life evangelicals for the strongest pro-abortion murdering babies ticket ever in our history as a country. This is, an, this is the equation of this in my head, is it would be the same thing as a group of people 80 years ago saying, we are pro-Jewish evangelicals for Hitler. There's, there's no difference there. Okay, so... With that, I want, to look at, I want to look at this idea of, I want to do two things. I want an overarching general mentality of, of what sin, how sin affects us, how it messes with us and destroys us. Okay, but I want us to do two things at the same time. I want us to look in a general sense of how this affects our country. You, you, sin destroys everywhere it goes, and sin is always pushing. And this is, the, this is part of been the problem in America is the church has not pushed back and said this is not okay. Um, it, it just, it's, it's just allowed. It's just allowed. It's been complicit to this. Not necessarily actively complicit, but when you don't stand up against sin, you're, you're allowing it to be in charge. And, and, I, and I believe that's at the feet of the church. And so in a general sense, how this affects our country, our country is used. But then also while I'm going through this, I want you to also personalize this. And you'll see as we go through it. Um, how is Satan trying to control me? How is Satan trying to mess with me? How is Satan trying to destroy me, manipulate me? Because and, and until we push against sin in every single arena, push, push back. See, the church has been bought into this mentality that, that God wants us to be nice over truthful. And that's, that's very unhealthy because God's angry at sin. He gets very angry at sin. And so... 
Um, let me go to uh, Mark chapter 12. And this, is, this sets the stage for me. When, when we start talking about sin, I, I always look at this um, from the point of view of loving God and not loving God. This, this is, I don't think we get this enough. That sin is an absence of loving God. That's, that's the basic foundation of sin, is that we're falling in love with something, somebody else, starting with us. We're falling in love with ourselves more than we love God. Mark chapter 12, verse 29, Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. Strength is an activity. It's a direction. It's, it's an active thing. It, it's action. You've got to be loving God with action also. The second one is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. And I think what we've allowed, and it's been slow, it's been the, the, the frog in the kettle kind of mentality. It's been a slow thing that the church has just kind of gotten farther and farther into, is we stopped loving God supremely, and we started loving the things that we are creating, things like church and, and um, our, our, our culture and our um, social construct that we call the church. We began to love that more than God. Why, why do I say that? Because we're more interested in people coming to our church than knowing our God. Yes. If, if knowing our God is the priority, you do things differently. You, you take them to, to God, not to your plan, not to your social construct, not making sure that they come to your church. Well, we don't want to affect, uh, offend people because then they won't come to church and they won't get the truth. If you're starting off with, we don't want to offend people, they're probably not going to get the truth when they come to your church anyway. So... So, so it's irrelevant at that point. And guys, this is not just an overarching church thing. This is for us uh, personally. Are we more interested in people knowing God than whether they like us or not? Or they like our ideas or something else? Do we care more that they know God? He's, he's the only thing that matters. He's the everything. I'm, I'm thinking about um, introducing a song Wednesday night that is this, that he's the only one that matters. I love the song, but it's not that easy, and so I don't know yet. But, but it, it, I, I sing it all the time that he's the only one that matters. He's the everything. It's not our church system that matters. It's not how we do church. It's, it's not how we do life. It's Jesus. He's the one who died on the cross for us. So we, are we going that direction? So I'm going <clears> to <throat> I'm gonna read 2 Timothy chapter 3 again. I've read it probably four or five times in the last six months. But this time I want you to look at from the point of view of self. The idea of loving God uh, uh, eclipses loving ourself. And the only way that we can truly love God the way we're supposed to is if we stop loving ourselves so much. This is, this is, the, this is always going to be the, the challenge. This, the, to me, this is the root of everything. We, we see where Paul explains uh, the, the lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, those kind of things. We, we understand that there are basic uh, categories of sin and how we go down that road and why we end up there. But I think it all founds, it all bases upon the, 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 the foundation of you either love God or you love you more. And if you can get that in balance and you love God more than you love you, then, then you can truly love God and you'll serve him. And that's where holiness comes in, is when you love God, you want to pursue him. You want to pursue the way he's designed you and you want to live for him. That's what holiness is. Loving God and his ways more than you and your ways. Okay, so 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. For people will love only themselves and their money. And I'm going to unpack that part of the sentence for us here in just a second. 
But this, you see how they're tied together? Loving themselves and loving money. It's tied together, and there's a reason why that's tied together. It has to do with um, uh, self, selfishness, self-thinking, everything. And, and the, the money is tied to it because that, that's a provision for self. Money is how we can um, love ourselves more. Okay? Now, again, you'll, you'll see as we go through this, money's not bad. Money's a neutral thing, okay? Um, the same way capitalism is a neutral thing, by the way. Capitalism is not evil. Capitalism's neutral. People can do evil things in it. And, and I've heard people say, well, then that's the same thing. Socialism is neutral. It's not. And neither is, and specifically, communism. It can't be, it can't be neutral because you can't have communism with a God. Right? You understand? Okay? All right. Okay, just a little lesson there, just to throw that out there. So, they will... Um, People will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. All of this stuff is tied together. The disobedient to their parents thing, this kind of gets overlooked sometimes. But this is a big one. Parents, this is, this is why when I'm, when I'm talking about parenting, and I'm specifically talking about discipline. This is why discipline is so important in the family context and in the parenting context. Because the, the, the foundation that God has built society upon is authority, responsibility to that authority, respect for that, and honoring, honoring that authority. The, 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 the starting point for every human on the planet is supposed to be the household, the parents. That's why, that's why disciplining your children is so important. Here, let, me, let me back up a few steps because society has changed everything so bad. I talked about this some Wednesday night that, that we have pushed. This is why I personally think that the welfare system is one of the worst things that has ever happened to our country. And I personally believe one of the most prejudiced things um, racist things that has ever happened to our country. People talk about racism nowadays, and they call it something else. Let me tell you what real racism is. Paying mothers to not have dad in the home. That is destroying, because why? Authority? Authority to God, authority to parents, it starts. If you don't honor mom and dad, you're not going to honor people in society. You're not going to honor the police, because you didn't honor mom and dad. Parents, that's why I know it seems like I push this sometimes pretty strong, but if you're not in control and in charge of your children and you do not raise them properly with discipline added to that, you're hurting them long term. You're hurting them. You, you, you walk across all of these protests, and the, not the protests as much as the riots. You go through these riots and all this kind of stuff. You, if you had the ability to look back in those kids, adults, whatever, lives, you're going to see a lot of non-parenting, non-discipline mentalities in those kids' lives. People that grew up in discipline, for the most part, do not do that stuff. They don't. It's because somewhere they, they, they didn't get this. This is what the last days is going to look like. It's about self, 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 everything. They will consider nothing sacred. This is, this is very strongly where we are in a country right now. They would consider nothing sacred. This is why things... I started saying this 15 plus years ago, and I had some people think that I was over the top too much, a little too strong at the time because they didn't know, and I felt like the Holy Spirit showed me this. 15 years ago plus, 16, 17 years ago, I started talking about how the environmental movement was a religion. It's not an idea to help the planet. It's a religion. Why? Who's the God of the religion? Most people will say, well, it's the planet. No, it's the person. 
The planet, Mother Earth, is the spiritual side of it that you worship. But you're the God of the sinner. Why? How do I know that? Because you've told yourself that by uh, recycling or, start, or not starting an SUV or something, that you're going to save the globe. The entire planet. You're going to save the planet. You. That's narcissism at the very height. You are not that big. God didn't make you that big. But when we start considering God not sacred, the things of God not sacred, and certain things like sanctity of life not sacred, then we can start worshiping a frog instead of saving babies. Because why? It's spiritual. It's not physical. This is all about me. They will, not me, me, you, me, us, me. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. I have been praying specifically for Amy Coney Barrett. And I've been praying. Here's what I've been praying. God, please don't let her go through that. Get, get a few Republicans that have enough spine to stop being weak-kneed people that give in to this stuff. Kavanaugh should not have been put there. It was one of the most disgusting, horrible, slanderous things I've ever seen a, a group of people, supposedly our leaders, do to somebody. And I've been praying, God, don't, don't make her go through that. Rescue her from this. Or, and I hate to pray this because it's almost like giving up, God, give her the ability to go through it. But don't, our rules, our law doesn't say she has to do that. President nominates, Senate confirms they don't need any other input. It's not written into any laws. But they're going to they're gonna try to destroy this woman. Please pray for her. Specifically, if they do go to the question and answer time and all this kind of... Pray for that woman. Pray for her family. Pray for her kids. Okay. They will hate. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. We need more of the understanding of the statement that Paul says here, stay away from people like that. Do not connect with and associate with this. And I get this every now and then as a pastor. Well, aren't we supposed to know the other side? Aren't we supposed to? Guys, at some point, if you know the other side's a lie, why do you keep listening to it? Why do you feel like you've got to hang out with that and be a part of it? Why do you have to embrace it? You don't. Paul says stay away from that. When you see this, when it's an, a blatant anti-God, self-focused thing, stay away from it. You don't want it to, to attack you and pull you down. We feel like we have to embrace everything that comes down the pike. I, I, don't, I don't feel that need. <clears throat> now, let's go to Genesis chapter 4. At the end of this, this is... This, this, is, this is huge, okay? Now, Adam had sexual relations with his wife, Eve, and she became pregnant. When she gave birth to Cain, she said, with the Lord's help, I have produced a man. Later, <clears throat> later she gave birth to his brother and named him Abel. I, I've always thought it's interesting that Cain, when God talks to him later, we're going to read this, Cain says, um, God, am I my brother's keeper? I, I raised my boys to take care of each other, specifically Jonathan, my oldest, you need to take care of your brother. I raised my sister to ex... My sister. I didn't raise my sister. What do we call the one? Daughter. I raised my daughter. I raised my daughter to expect 
the boys to take care of her. Now, it didn't go well through junior high and early high school, but after we got old enough to be mature, um, they're supposed to take care of her. And specifically, I taught my children, my oldest, Jonathan, you, you are the one, all through the Old Testament, all through history and all kinds of people groups, we see where the oldest firstborn son is the one that is the, 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 uh, the next patriarch in line. He takes care of, he does his stuff. It's interesting to me that that's the exact thing Cain attacked. In fact, my, my second son, Isaac, he was, he, he was in Texas this week and he called me and he was just driving and he was uh, going to somewhere else and and uh, so he had some time talking, he called, and, and uh, he knew it was late at night, and I'd be one of the only ones awake. And so I'm um, talking to him, and he said, he said you know, uh, Eloise, my granddaughter, my oldest daughter, um, he, he said, you know, Eloise is just like her dad, Jonathan. I said, it's, yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. We drove from, from, uh, from Houston to Waxahachie, sort of, about four hours, and she never stopped talking the whole time, never stopped. She did pause for about a minute and a half to throw up, and then she went back to talking. <laughs> but it was okay because she had just eaten chocolate donuts, and it just smelled like chocolate. So um, <clears throat> some of you are like, we didn't need to know that, all that. We just, but it, so <laughs> so she, she never stopped talking. And after a while, I'm just like, you know, I'm driving like, how does, doesn't her, eventually her mouth got to hurt, her jaws got to hurt, her voice part. And then when we came from um, Dallas back to uh, Beaumont or, or Houston, uh, I rode with my son. The, the grandkids were in the car with Linda and, and my daughter-in-law, and I rode with my son, and he never stopped talking. Oh, far. In fact, one time I fell asleep and got mad at me. He hit me in the chest. He said, Dad, I'm talking. I'm like, I know. I, 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 you know, I can't. I, don't, I can't keep up. I... But, but my son said, you know, it's weird how Eloise is just like Jonathan. She takes care of her little brother, Ezra. Now, she's a little rough. Like, when he starts crying, he's sucking on his hand. She'll jerk his hand out of his mouth and stick the pacifier. And she's a little rough on the, around the edges. But, but Isaac said to me, he said, you know, Jonathan still mothers me just like that. 25, 26, 27, he still mothers me just like that. And I said, he's the oldest. But God's put that within him to take care of. To prov- that's, that's what oldest do. Are they supposed to? How many of you are the firstborn? Don't you get that sometimes? It's like your responsibility. You're like, nope. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I do not feel that way. <laughs> this is the thing is, Cain, Cain goes against every, everything that God had designed for him. She, he says, when they grew up, Abel became a shepherd, while Cain cultivated the ground. Now, let me explain this so there's no confusion. I've heard this. I've read this. I've, I've, I've seen this from theologians, that the reason that God did not accept Cain's offering is because he cultivated the ground. In other words, he was a farmer. And the reason God accepted Abel's um, uh, gift was because uh, it was an animal. That is not true. Okay? If that was the case, then your first fruits right now could not be a check or an automatic deposit it would have to be a cow, right? Or a pig, which we do accept those here at Church of Briargate. <laughs> we accept bacon as a tithe. We do. I don't know if it goes straight into the storehouse, per se. But, but God did not, not accept Cain's offering because it was vegetables. L- look, he tells us why. Sometimes we just pass right by this stuff. It says, when it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops. 
as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best. That's the, that's the difference, the best. I've watched this for years in church. 30 years I've been a pastor, and I've watched this where we, we lived behind one of the churches we pastored years ago. We lived by, there was a parsonage behind, and we'd come out, and sometimes there would be all this junk on our back porch. And then I'd get a phone call later. Hey, uh, we had this bed for 42 years, and we didn't want it anymore, so we donated it to the church. I'm like, I guess I'll set fire to it. You didn't want it. What makes you think the church wants it? Well, it was leftovers. Here's an idea. When you get ready to buy a new bed, find somebody in the community that really needs a bed that doesn't have one and go buy them the new one and you just keep the old one. That's the best. But we don't have that thinking in the church. We always give leftovers to God. It's discouraging. Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. And here's something I don't think we see sometimes. You realize he, it doesn't say the Lord didn't accept Abel's gift. I mean, uh, Cain's gift, he accepted Abel's gift. It says he, didn't, he accepted Abel and his gift. He didn't accept Cain and his gift. If we can't give our best to God, if we're not really all in with God, He's not just not accepting our gift. He's saying, you and me don't have a good relationship. You and me are not connecting relationally. You're, you're hanging me out to dry. You're giving me leftovers. You're treating me like trash. Why should I accept you? Not just the gift, but you. That, that's not accident that it's worded that way. This made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. Why are you so angry, the Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? And this is the focus, is where we're going to go with this. You will be accepted if you do what is right. You understand that? Every one of us here, we will be accepted if we'll do what he's told us to do. Just do what is, do what is right. And it's the same with our country. Our country will be accepted by God if we'll just do what is right. How do I know that? Second Chronicles, it says this about five times in the Old Testament. Second Chronicles is the most famous one, seven. Um, humble ourselves, pray, seek his face, and turn from our wicked ways, and he will hear from heaven, and he will heal our land. He will heal our land. I have never understood that to the gravity that I understand it right now. God, we need you to heal our land. I've never seen that. We, we, we've grown up so much in, in blessedness and prosperity and everything else as an American uh, in America. I didn't understand this, heal your land. I, I've seen it other places, but now we need it here. He says, if you'll do what's right, you will be accepted. Look at this. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. This is the focus. We've got to see this. Sin is, is crouching at the door, trying to control you. Not just cause you to sin. But he's trying to, sin is trying to control you. Satan through sin is trying to control you. But here's the key. But you must subdue it and be its master. You must subdue it. And this is where we've, we've derailed a lot over the last 50 years in, in America is <clears throat> we stopped subduing sin and, and, and destroying it, subduing it and, and getting it out of the way. And we started just kind of placating it. 
Well, if I don't say anything, it just it won't affect me. It, maybe it'll go away. And, and sin got stronger, and Satan got stronger and stronger. And, and more, this, this is a visual God gave me a few years ago about abortion. And I, I saw Satan standing there with, with blood of babies just dripping off his hands, and he was empowered by that. He was getting stronger and stronger through that. This is, this is something that we've got to, as Christians, don't, I said this over the last probably two months off and on, don't wait for your church leadership or your church to do something. You do something. You stand up against sin. You have those, those prayer gatherings. Don't wait for somebody in some kind of church position to do that. You do it. Because why? You are the one that has the truth of Jesus in your life. You are the one that has God's word in your life. You do something. Stand up. Pray. Talk to people. Do something. Because you, you can do it. You can subdue sin. But if we don't subdue it and push it back, sin keeps encroaching and encroaching and encroaching. And, and eventually, and this is where we've come to in a country, eventually sin is the rule of the day and, and a, the Christian is the minority in the spiritual context. I don't, I don't know about numbers-wise, okay? I, I'm saying spiritually because I don't, I don't know how many people are really Christians that call themselves Christians. Right? You understand like two-thirds of our country call themselves Christians, Two-thirds of our country are Christians. Abortion would not be legal. It would not. Just because somebody says, I'm a Christian, does not mean they are. And just because somebody says they are pro-life evangelicals does not mean they are. We've got to truly subdue sin and push it back. Because the more we push back against sin, the more that the Holy Spirit rules and reigns in people's lives and hearts. That's why witnessing, one of the reasons why witnessing to somebody is so important. Because when they get saved, they go from Satan's camp to God's camp. That's a direct number change. There's more than there was on God's side. Pushing back, pushing back, pushing back. All right? 1 Timothy chapter 6. <clears throat> Think, I think you're going to find this interesting how this unfolds here. Uh, verse 9, but people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. Now look at this. This is something, uh, we talk about money sometimes. We talk about how people look at uh, money and the love of money. We're going to see that. But here's something I don't think we understand. Again, what I read before, loving yourself and loving money are tied to directly together. Okay? Now, money's not bad. Again, money's neutral. Um, it's, it's the love of money. It's the desire for money. Now, look, it says that those who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires. Not just money harmful desires. Many foolish and harmful desires. Why? Because craving, desiring, loving money... I'm not saying people that... Some people are good at making money, and they become very wealthy doing that. I don't, think, I don't think that's a bad thing. I've never thought that's... I know in today's society, we're supposed to hate rich people. I don't think that way. I've never thought that way. Now, God has not given me the, um, the arena to be wealthy, and I'm not, and I'm not against that, okay? I mean, if somebody want to hand me a million dollars, I'll take it. Now, don't get me wrong, but... And God's not put me in an arena to be wealthy, and I'm, I'm totally okay with that. I know what I'm here for. I know what God has called me to do, and I'm, I'm totally fine with that. 
I love to see God use people and put them in arenas where they can make money. That's a gifting. That's an amazing gift. That, let them do that. Now, I believe that they are supposed to recognize it came from God, tithe and give. The reason that God gives you money is to, to further his kingdom, not just further your kingdom. Okay? But with that said, the idea that rich people bad, I, don't, I just don't agree with that. But what happens is there's a difference between somebody that can make money and, and is good at making money and somebody that loves money and desires it. And the, and the mentality we're seeing here is uh, lusting after money. When that becomes the case, and remember, loving yourself and loving money are tied together, you fall into many traps of temptation, many harmful desires, many things, not just money-rooted things. You, you understand why? Why is the correlation there? Because you're loving yourself more than you're loving God. And when you love yourself more, Satan will, will hone in on your areas of weakness. Your areas of weakness are different than mine. Every one of us in here, they're different. Satan, Satan knows what they are. Now, not because he can read your mind, because Satan can't. But he's been reading people for about 6,000 years. He's pretty decent at it. He will hone in on what your area of weakness is. Why? Because that, that you are craving something besides God. That opens the door for him to do that. You're desiring and loving something more than you love God. Okay? So... <clears throat> Where was I? Yes. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Now, here's where I want to broaden this out a little bit because I don't believe it's just loving money that opens the door to Satan. Um, Proverbs says in a few different ways. Proverbs will say something like, um, uh, an honest man cannot be cheated. Have you ever thought about that? Why? Why can you not cheat an honest man? Because he has no ulterior motives that will make him open to you deceiving him for desire of something he shouldn't have. People that, that think there is such a thing as a free meal, that kind of mentality. I mean, sometimes it's a free meal. I understand that. But you, you, you understand, you've you got to work for what you have. And for somebody to say, well, I, I don't want to have to work for it. I just want somebody to give me that. You're susceptible. You're susceptible to be used you're susceptible to be cheated. Why? Because you really think there's a free ride. There's no free ride. I've been saying this forever about these stimuluses. We're going to pay for those stimuluses for years. Your little $1,200, you're like, oh, I paid rent this month. I don't know many people that can pay rent this on, for that, but I paid rent. So you're going to pay for that for 10 years, 15 years. And I have been preaching against and praying against do not give us another stimulus. It's going to hurt us. It's not going to help us. Oh, temporary gain, but that's it. Because why? The reason that we like that is because we want free. Give me, give me, give me. Guys, there's no free. There's no free. God told Adam, you're going to work by the sweat of your brow, and it's going to be that way forever. Someday we get to graduate into eternity and we get to work in a good way, in a good sense, the way God designed work to be. It won't be a negative. It won't be harmful. It'll be amazing. And we'll love every second of it. But right now you don't love every second of working because we're, we've sinned. That's the concept. He says, <clears throat> for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil and it will bring sorrows. 
it will. Now let's go to uh, Romans chapter 18 because that, that, that sets this up. Say, I don't believe that, that just loving money sets you up. I think it's loving anything. Anything that sets you, anything that you love more is where you'll be the weakest. You have weaknesses, I have weaknesses. Where you do not subdue those things and get them under control of, of the blood of Jesus and under a repentive mentality, they will harm you because you are opening the door spiritually for Satan to manipulate you. You've got to, you've got to be honest with yourself and go down this road that we're about to look at. You've got to be honest with yourself because if you don't start there, the, the reason we are not honest with ourselves is because we love ourselves too much. The more we fall in love with God, the more we can be honest with ourselves because we start falling out of love with us, the flesh, us, not who God has designed us, but we, that we've got to fall out of love with us to be loved, to love God properly. So Romans chapter one, verse 18, this is the, this is the opening sentence I'm starting with in verse 18, because this sets the stage and the church is very much against this mentality, by the way, the church at large. God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. We are not allowed to go there in today's society in the church world. God gets angry at sin. He gets very angry at sin. And he doesn't like it when we are involved with it. And he does not accept us when we are involved with that sin. Hebrews uh, 10, uh, uh, 26 those who go on sinning willfully, there no longer remains forgiveness for them? That, that's a pretty strong statement. That's a very strong... Why? Because what has happened? Not somebody that sins. That's not the same thing. Somebody that sins is not the same. That You will be forgiven. But somebody that continues to sin willfully, what you're doing is you're saying, God, I do not love you. I don't love your plan. I don't love your ways. I don't love your forgiveness. I don't respect the cross. I don't respect your blood. I'm going to do what I want to do. And God says, then okay. But now we are at enmity with each other. Because God's holy. He's the rule maker. And he loves us. And when we reject that, and we push that away, and we thumb our nose at it and make light of it, it puts us at odds with God because he's holy. He is holy. Now, there are different levels to this. Okay? Let's look at this. <clears throat> they know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature, so they have no excuse for not knowing God. This is why I've said for years, I don't believe in atheists. I love to tell atheists that. When they say, well, I don't believe in God. Well, I don't believe in you. I know they're a real person, but I don't believe that they are an atheist. They can say they are all day long, but I don't believe it. I don't believe there is such a thing as an atheist because the trees shout out that God is real. Everything shouts out that God is real. Every time you take a bite of food, it is shouting out that God is real because you can't grow anything. Oh, you can put a seed in the ground. You can water and do all that kind of stuff. But scripture tells us, but God's the one who makes it grow. You can't produce anything. You can only take what God has produced and make things. Think about what I'm saying. You can't produce anything. You're like the government. You can't produce anything. You can make things, but you can't produce it. By the way, I strongly believe that. I have never found one thing the government produces. Although they take a lot, they don't produce anything. 
You can't give life. You can't make things happen. You can only let God do that stuff. You can't make children. You can only do stuff that God uses to make children. Right? You could go down the line. All that stuff shouts out there's a God. Every time that you see the sun, you should know there's a God. Every time you see a bird, you should know there's a God. I just watched this week. We got prairie dogs. We thought we killed them all. We thought we had done it. We dropped a bunch of explosives down in the ground. I'm not kidding. And, um, and then I was, standing, I was standing over there getting coffee this week, and right in front of me on the sidewalk where the sidewalk touches the grass, this little prairie dog starts throwing dirt out. And he comes out, and he does this for about 10 minutes, and I'm enthralled. So I'm watching this. And then one of those big birds with the blue magpies. He, the, the prairie dog looks up and then disappears, and this magpie dropped and stuck his head right in that hole. And I'm like, get him! <laughs> he didn't get him. And all this stuff declares that God is God. Guys, every one of us here, you know God is real. You know God is real. And let me show you a little insight. Every person you work with knows God is real. And they have a desire to know him. No matter how much they push against it. Every person you see at Walmart, they know God is real. And they have a desire to know him. God has put it in their heart. And everything around them shouts this out. This is one of the reasons why Satan is so adamant about abortion. Because every little baby that's born shows that God's pretty big. Pretty amazing. Creating his image. Satan hates that. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. They begin to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. They used to not be fools. But the more they embraced sin and darkness and pushed God away, the more they became fools. As that is describing our country right now. That is describing politics. To me, I know this sounds like I'm just picking on people. I don't know how to say this any other way. Some of, some of the dumbest people I know today are politicians. They are working hard at this. Oh, crazy old Cortez. There, she works hard at this. I, I, I mean, you can go down the line. Guys, this is not rational, normal thinking that's happening. There's something wrong. And I don't believe that they are... I, I believe that they've been doing this so long they have become fools. And they're buying into darkness and calling it light. They are buying into lies and calling it truth. How, how else do you explain what we're seeing? How else do you explain what we're seeing in our country right now? It makes no sense. They'll, they'll burn down 30 businesses and a politician will say, oh, well, that's reparations. Guys, that is, that is insane thinking. That's insane thing. And partly because probably 80% of those buildings they burned down belong to black people in the black community. They're destroying themselves. They're destroying good people because they have become fools. This is, this is, it's bizarre what we're seeing. <clears throat> I, I, I believe that. They traded the truth about God for a lie. They, they, that means it's voluntary. 
It's voluntary. I jumped down too far. Let me back up a little. I will get back to that. Instead of worshiping the glorious and ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. And what we've done in America today is we no longer carve our, our idols of birds and reptiles and animals. We just worship the reptiles and animals. We just skipped past that. Same thing, though. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. This is, the, this is the important thing. This is where we get our own in. God abandoned them to do whatever. We're about to see layers and degrees of where people go to. When you reject God and you intentionally reject God and you begin to worship other things and you begin to push God's truth away, knowing it's truth, but you begin to push it away, you go into um, deteriorating spiritual levels. And it gets worse and worse and worse. It says, as a, um, so God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things in, that their hearts desired. As a result, the result of this is they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. See, this, this starts with just um, promiscuity. It starts with fornication. It starts with adultery. It starts with, but it gets so much worse. Because what you're doing is you're saying, well, if there's no God and I'm in charge, then I'm not creating the image of God. I can do whatever I want with my body. Physically, it doesn't matter. Do you realize the subject that we're talking about in churches today, some churches, is um, the LGBT issues? Do you realize we don't even address promiscuity anymore? We don't even address fornication anymore. Because sleeping around with somebody outside of marriage doesn't matter. We, we, we left that in the 60s. We've moved on. We're enlightened. And it's destroying people. It's destroying marriages. It's destroying. It's, when I say destroying marriages, I'm saying when you sleep around uh, before you get married, 10 years later as married, it hurts your marriage. I've counseled too many people over the years to prove this to you. It hurts your marriage. You will deal with, with, with baggage and garbage that you did not have to deal with if you wouldn't have done that. And I'm not trying to be uh, coy with this, or whatever. many of you sit in this room, you know what I'm talking about. You know I'm speaking truth. It affects you. No matter how much you think it doesn't. They traded the truth about God for a lie, so they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the Creator Himself. That's environmentalism, who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. That is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Even the women turned against the natural way to have sex and instead indulged in sex with each other. And I've had people say to me many times over the years, a homosexuality is not even mentioned in the Bible. You, don't, you haven't read it. That's like saying, I don't think there's really a Jesus in the Bible. The women turned against their natural way to have sex and instead indulged in sex with each other. And the men... Instead of having normal sexual relations with women, burn with lust for each other. Men did shameful things with other men, and as a result of this sin, they suffered within themselves the penalty they deserved. Now, I'm going to say something you're not allowed to say in the church today, but it's truth. We are, we are, I will, I will be attacked by this if, if different church mentalities would, were sitting here listening to this. I really believe that certain sickness and disease, like AIDS, was what he's talking about here. You're, you're seeing the effects of your sin within your own body. This is, and you say, well, now that's just coincidence. AIDS didn't exist until homosexuality got uh, very prominent, right? 
and, and monkeys. But that's not my point. But this is where it comes from. You sin, there's effects to it. And when we see where you do unnatural things with your physical body, sexually, you're not designed to do that. There's certain diseases and certain infections and things that happen because you're not operating the way God designed you to operate. That's, that's the whole concept here. And, I don't know how much I want to jump into this here. It's okay. Men did shameful things with other men as a result of this sin. They suffered within themselves the penalty they deserve. Do you realize it doesn't say the same thing about women here? Not to get graphic, but the differences in lesbianism and homosexuality is the reason. Physically. Okay, I'll move on. Because we're all uncomfortable now. <laughs> you know, I had a conversation this last week in Texas when I was down there for our board meetings. And, and um, some pastors were sitting around talking. And we, we got talking about this. And they were basically talking about, these are good guys, but they were basically re- revealing the fact that it's difficult to talk about this kind of stuff and to preach about uh, anything LGBT because you get attacked. And there's a fear from it. And they said, well, how do you do it? And I said, well, I don't let that bother me. They said, well, how do you do it? I said, here's the thing. Read Scripture. Just read the Scripture. Let the Scripture tell the truth. Let the Scripture tell you what it is. And, and don't shy away from it. But, but here's part of the thing is I said, but guys, you've got to establish in your heart. This is, this, is the, this is the hinge right here. This is the key. Is you've got to establish in your heart that God's Word is true. And you've got to understand this. That, that homosexuality is not the same as adultery. It's not the same. Because why? Adultery is a sin. It is not okay. God will will judge you for that. But adultery is still in the way God has designed you. Did you see the progression going through it? When you reject God, when you do this in darkness, then this happens, then this happens, and then you're turned over to your own desires, then this happens, and then you get down to, and then you see lesbianism and homosexuality. That is a complete different spiritual place than adultery. And I, and I had one of these pastors, are you, I, don't, I think it's the same thing. Let me tell you what is the same thing, and I've had this conversation about a year ago with a different pastor, and he didn't agree with this. What is the same thing as, as homosexuality and lesbianism is pedophilia, scripturally. Right? Now, here's the thing. No, that's not the same. Why, why would a minister think that's not the same? Because we have bought so much into society's way of looking at this stuff that we've, we've gotten softer and softer and softer. And, and pedophilia is still the bad guy, although that's even changing quickly. Okay? This is just me. I'm not telling you to do something. Lynn and I got rid of Netflix because of the cutie show. It's pedophilia. And it's being promoted as the flag show for Netflix right now. I'm not okay with that. Pedophilia is a destructive, destroying, evil, demonic sin. So evil. This is why, this is why Epstein didn't kill himself. That's the whole thing there. And why when that if, when that ever unfolds, there's going to be a lot of major leaders in our country, political and financial leaders are going to go down because they are pedophiles. Guys, it's sin. It's destructive. It's not the same as adultery, which is still a sin. Okay. 
Since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, he abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that should never be done. Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip. You with me? Okay. They are backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, and boastful. Look at this. They invent new ways of sinning. All you have to do is watch TV, and you'll see things you had no idea existed. Now, sometimes I feel so naive. I'm like, people do that? They think that way? Because we're, we're, we're creative people. God, God made us to create and, and co-create with him and uh, develop. And when you use it for Satan, what's your option? Create new ways of sinning. And they disobey their parents. Again, that's thrown in there, not casually. Because it all starts with that. Authority, responsibility. They refuse to understand. Man, that's a statement for today. They refuse to understand. Break their promises, are heartless, and have no mercy. They know God's justice requires that those who do these things deserve to die, yet they do them anyway. Worse yet, they encourage others to do them. Which is the whole pedophilia thing. I was, I was reading some stuff about that this week. Why are these politicians and these leaders pushing this pedophilia uh, mentality through society? Because they're not going to directly interact with this child that they're trying to push. I'm thinking of a story I read a month ago um, where th this child is considering, uh, this nine-year-old girl was considering having sex with a 35-year-old man. And, and leaders in society, specifically uh, education leaders, we're saying, well, that's your right as a nine-year-old girl to make that decision. Here's the problem. I mean, here's the, the, the reason behind it. Because the sin grows in them. And the lust of that, knowing that that's happening out there, uh, thrills their uh, spirit because it's in darkness. It grows, and they encourage others to do it. Because it builds, and it builds, and it builds. All right. So... <clears throat> I, uh, years ago, I, I read a little story of Smith Wigglesworth. He comes up to a bus stop, and uh, there's a lady there with this little yippy dog. And, um, and when, he, when he comes up to the bus stop, the, the lady's trying to get the dog to go back home. She just lived a few houses over. She keeps, shoo, go, go home, go home. And the dog's just wouldn't leave, wouldn't leave. And uh, she's trying to get on the bus. She's stopping everybody else from getting on the bus because she's sitting in the doorway telling this dog, no, go, go, go. And finally, Smith Wigglesworth, Slams his foot down and yells at the dog, go home! And the dog, yeah, you know, took off home. And then he stopped, and all these people trying to get on the bus, and he said, and that's how you treat Satan, and that's how you treat sin. You don't play around. So I've got a video to give another illustration of this. Um, I really believe that our response to sin should be n none, no, zero. Get away from me. I'm not going to... I'm not going to let it entice my heart, my mind. I'm going to push it away. Not let it get in here. Push it away. That's supposed to be a response. But guys, too much as Christians, we let it kind of uh, roll through our mind and our spirit a little bit. We're not sinning, but we're not subduing it. So this is, um, this is Raiders of the Lost Ark, a great spiritual movie. And um, Harrison Ford's been fighting these people with a whip and all this stuff and beating them up and all this stuff for like 25 minutes. Linda hates movies that have long fight scenes. She said, I'll tolerate a fight scene if it's like two punches and you're done. I'm like, 
Nobody does that. So there's a very long fight scene. Uh, this is the end of it. He's tired. He's tired of all of this stuff. And this, this is how we're supposed to treat Satan. Stand with me if you would. You're like, oh, that blessed me. Oh, that blessed me. Okay, guys, here's the thing. I wrote down three things. Immediately bring every thought into submission to Christ. Immediately. I thought about this this week. This will resonate more with the guys. I'm going to be transparent. This is going to make everybody uncomfortable, but this is reality. I was driving up here to the church. I saw this lady jogging. My mind started going down a trail it's not supposed to go down. And I immediately said, this is not okay. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke this. Satan, you do not have authority over my mind. God, I bring this thought into obedience to you. Guys, we've got to immediately, immediately bring every thought obedient to Christ. Don't play around. Don't play around because if you play around, you're taking one step farther from God and one step closer to darkness, closer to sin. Sin is crouching at your door. Immediately bring every thought. The, first, the second thing is to pray, Lord, teach me to surrender to you every moment of every day. Teach me to surrender. It's not my life, it's yours. Teach me to surrender. Teach me to surrender. When you catch yourself not surrendering, get there. Get there in your mind and your spirit. Talk to God about it. Pray about it. Surrender. It becomes second nature after a while. Surrender. And then the last thing is just make a decision. Sin, you will not have any place in my life. None. Not through media, not through my own heart, not through other people. You will have no place in my life. And guys, this is a big one for us today in media. Movies, things like that. Are we willing to say, that's sin, I'm not going to be a part of it. And I had somebody tell me a couple years ago, that means we can't watch anything. You're right, it's probably worth it, just watch it. That's what I told them. They're like, but you said it was sin. Yeah, but you already made up your mind. Right? All right, let's pray. God, we submit ourselves to you right now. Lord, I just lay my heart before the king. You're the God of everything. The ruler. The all-consuming one. I am, I am not God. Jesus, you're the forgiver. You're the one that died on the cross for us. I didn't die on the cross for anybody. Lord, I submit myself to you. You're the one in authority. I'm not in authority. You are. God, I submit myself. I have my mind, my heart. I ask you to forgive me. Wash me clean. Completely wash me. My mind, my spirit, wash me. Lord God, help me to help me to pursue you and subdue sin. God, I pray for every one of us in here that we will make a decision right now. Sin will not be in charge of me. I will not let sin control me. I will not let sin have any place in my life. God, we turn to you. You are our only hope. You're the only hope for our country right now. You're the only hope for every person in this room. You're the only hope. God, we need you. 
So Lord, wash us clean and then give us the backbone, empower us with your Holy Spirit so that we will have the power to say no. And not only just say no for ourselves, but the power to subdue sin, to take authority over the sin, the junk that's going on around us. And that God, that we will walk in anointing as we pray about it, as we speak against it, that we will be walking in anointing. God, help us to be more concerned about how you feel about us than the people at work feel about us. To be more concerned about our relationship with you than our relationship with anybody else. God, forgive us when we don't stand up against the things that anger you. And God, I pray for our country that we will repent. That we will repent just, just, just for the murdering of babies. We'll repent from that. And that that will start us on the path to repentance for everything. God, I, I pray that you start with my heart and with every one of us here. We repent. We will set the stage. We will, we will start the, the journey. And Lord, that you will hear us and that you will heal us and you will heal our land. So let's put some action to this. If it, doesn't, if it doesn't flow into action, you're not really getting there. So what action should we be taking? It's going to be unique for all of us, but wherever you are with this, pray that God will show you, where am I being um, lazy? Where am I being complicit? Where am I being not strong like I'm supposed to be? So what does that mean? Lord, convict me. Convict me and show me. Where do I need to change? What needs to be different? And then do something about it. Don't just pray it. When he shows you, get a plan. He's going to show you your weaknesses. Get a plan. Talk to, talk to your spouse. Talk to a close friend. And tell them, this is my weakness. I need you to pray for me. I, I said that years ago, and this guy said, I, you think I should tell my spouse? That's your best prayer partner. Why would you not tell your spouse? Get a good friend. Talk to him. Pray. God, I don't want this in my life. Even if it's just a hint. You know what I'm saying? A little vapor out there. But you know it's messing with you. Bring every thought obedient to Christ. Do that this week. Put actual action to some of this and make a plan. God, I'm going to talk to you about this and we're going to get this under control. We're going to subdue this. All right? Before noon tomorrow. God's going to give you the opportunity to let somebody know Jesus loves them, that he loves them and he wants to save them. Tell somebody about Jesus. God will honor that in your life. It's a guarantee. So shake somebody's hand. Tell them how glad that you are that they're here, even if you have to lie. And uh, we will see you Wednesday night. Have a great rest of your day.